Hello and welcome. My name is Chris Fleming. I'm the Adult Ministry Coordinator for the Discipleship Ministry Team. And today we're going to be going over uh, the second uh, lesson in the winter quarter. It's going to be uh, the December 13th study, and it's going to be Isaiah 61. Uh, it's titled Redemption. Um, before I do that, I wanted to let you know about the Cumberland Road. Many of you might have already listened to it, but the Cumberland Road is a podcast hosted by T.J. Malinowski that explores Cumberland Presbyterian's faith journey with God and how their faith in, impacts their daily life. There's a new guest on every Tuesday. You can download and subscribe, the, subscribe to the Cumberland Road on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or any of your other favorite podcasting apps. You can also find the Cumberland Road on its own landing page at www.cumberlandroad.transistor.fm. This month, the guests for December include Milton Ortiz, Mitch Bolton, Logan Dixon, and Laura Reed. So, with me today, Logan's not feeling well, so uh, Rebecca Zardi is going to be with us. Rebecca is a newly ordained pastor uh, that I have had the experience of meeting and seeing all of her wonderful work. She serves on the DMT board as well, elected board, and she is the pastor of two churches here in Kentucky. So I'm going to let her tell you more about her and her ministry. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris. So I am uh, Reverend Rebecca Zardi. I was ordained in March of this year, right before all of the insanity exploded. So uh, praise God that we were able to get that going in. I pastor Rose Creek Cumberland Presbyterian Church and Madisonville First Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Western Kentucky. I'm very excited that um, I'm able to be here with you all today. I'm a contributing author to the encounter, which I'm very excited about and uh, look forward to hearing your feedback about what those lessons um, help you with and help you understand. And I also have an amazing little YouTube channel. Uh, if you look up my name, Rebecca Zardi on YouTube, you will find um, most of my sermons are available, but also I do a bi-weekly devotional called Welcome to My Porch. Um, obviously, welcome to my porch. And uh, we just do a quick video Mondays and Fridays to just get people in a good mindset and, and focusing on God for the day. So it's awesome. It's awesome to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for doing all your writing for the encounter. It's 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 hard work. I, try, I have to tell people it's not like writing a sermon. It's hard. It's not at um, all. Also, I'll, a sermon? No. <laughs> I will have a link um, to the YouTube channel uh, that'll be on the weekly email and also on the resource page uh, for the encounter. So uh, everybody subscribe to her. So today then we're going to be looking at, again, Isaiah 61, and I think I'm going to start by reading our prayer for illumination uh, today, and then we'll jump in and get started. Almighty and everlasting God, send your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds that we may behold glorious things in your word. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. All right, and then the memory verse for this week, I hope people are taking advantage of. I really like the memory verse. So it's Isaiah 61, 10. I will, re I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as the bride adorns herself with her jewels. So, mm. yeah. Good like verse. Very good. Good verse. All right, so in the introduction, uh, 
uh, Logan goes all hip hop on us and uh, he really did. <laughs> <laughs> we get a little P Diddy, Sean Combs, <laughs> Puff Daddy. Um, but I do like the lyrics because it does uh, it does set up a good good thought for what Isaiah 61 is about. So Isaiah 40 through 66 is about the restoration of Israel. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, did you want to, I think we could probably start with that discussion question, I guess. So I'll yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great discussion question. I think I'll read it to you and then I'll let you respond. How's that? Okay. And then I'll Ooh. respond. So can you describe a specific time when God reversed your shame or mourning and replaced them with honor and joy? Hmm. Okay, so um, full disclaimer, if you go on my YouTube channel, you will see a short testimonial video uh, about what God has brought me through. Um, shame and mourning. Wow. Tough, tough, tough stuff. Um, so just really quick, there was a time in my life I was unchurched for about 10 years before I was brought into the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And uh, during that 10-year time period, if you want to know more, you can email me. Um, I was a hot mess. Let's just say that. I was a hot mess. And so when I came back to church, when God brought me into his sanctuary again, the shame and guilt that I carried was immense, absolutely immense. And I remember specifically the evening, because it was at night, that that all changed. Um, my pastor at the time, um, when she was praying in the middle of the prayer, and I'd been, I'd been crying for like days on end because God was dealing with me in a, just an amazing way. And, and she, she had no idea what I was thinking while she was teaching the lesson that night. But I just, I was going back through my mind, like, how can I contact these people that I did wrong? And how can I make the stuff that I did wrong right? And how can I apologize? And I was thinking all this stuff. And in the middle of the prayer, she said, God just told me to tell you, there is somebody here tonight that needs to let go. Know that you're already forgiven and it's okay. And I just wept uncontrollably because I knew God was speaking straight to my heart. Um, and restored me with the ability to forgive myself for the things that I had done and brought me back that joy. And I mean, and it was through that journey that he brought me to my calling. So what an honor that he has given me to bring me from that place to the place that I am today. How beautiful is that? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the way, that's the way it is. I think when we find redemption, uh, the hard part, at least for me, Cause I can, uh, I can hold on to guilt, buddy. No, I'm so good yeah. at it. Yeah. And so a lot of times verses like this, that promises restoration. Um, it reminds me of what uh, oftentimes I felt at is that I, I've been redeemed and, and the honor that I don't know, every day is a good day almost now. Like, right. Like, but it's almost as if I sometimes think it's going to stop. Like I, I just expect it to stop, but right. Uh, but that's, that's good. That's, that's the gospel. Actually. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and what's amazing about that is it's a gospel message that's available to everyone. Yep. Not I mean, just, you know, we're going to get into that a little bit in this lesson about how the, the Jew and Gentile difference 
but it's not just for one set group of people. This is the gospel message, this redemption, this honor and joy is available to everybody. And it connects to the last lesson from Joel chapter two, because after the locust plague, there was a, in Joel, a promise of restoration, double the, basically double of what the locust stole or, or what time stole or whatnot. And so um, it's, it's a biblical theme that in the Messiah, what you've lost, you, you not only, you not only get back, but you get back double portion. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, yeah. and then I also think of Job too. Uh, yeah. Job was faithful. He lost everything. But at the end of the story, God doubled. He not, yes. not only restored what he had, but he doubled it. And so I think yeah. that's that's pretty awesome too. Um, and that's that's the way God works. He never runs out of never runs out of blessings. Amen. Praise him that he doesn't. Yeah. Um, so I, I do appreciate the introduction. Uh, I think he set up the Logan set up the the lesson pretty well there. Yeah. Now, going into the historical setting that's the hard part it's it's kind of the same as in joel it's it's this time where uh, the people have been jerusalem has been demolished mm-hmm. they've been carted out come back some have come back or whatnot but there's still this sense in which uh they feel as though everything's done like right. everything they're proud of all their heritage it's in ruins they're Families are carted off to various parts of the of the world, the known world at the time, and then Isaiah starts saying, you know, but but restoration's coming, and right. uh, so um, what Logan brings up is uh, some talk about the jubilee year, right? So yeah. like the jubilee is going to be the time when it's the year when the Messiah comes, right? And it's everything will be restored and it'll be like a jubilee year everything will be good right uh talking with you before we started the jubilee year some people don't necessarily have ever even really heard of it um and so um i'm just wondering what you're what you've thought thought about as you went through this part of the lesson or or... i really thought what he brought up was intriguing because of my understanding and please correct me if i'm wrong is that your jubilee is supposed to happen like every 50 every 50 years since jubilee right and and i did not realize i don't think until i read logan's notes on this that we don't have any record of the jewish nation ever keeping this year like they were supposed to like the the information that was given to them way back when when this was set up that we don't have any record that they ever actually did this. No, and it 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 remains the one of the most revolutionary concepts in all of history, um, in this sense. So the jubilee year is connected with the Sabbath day. So if you look at the the way uh, God set set up time for the Jewish people, mm-hmm. you have that seventh day rest where whether you're an alien, whether you're a slave, whether you're an animal, whether it's just you're, you're supposed to rest, and that day right. is given to God. Then you have the seventh year to where you're supposed to let the land rest. You're never, you're not supposed right. to toil yep. or whatever. So then the seventh, seventh year was supposed to be the ultimate like right. recreation and Jubilee. Right. right. So, um, so the, a lot of times throughout history, the Jews struggled with observing the Sabbath correctly. They yeah. struggled with 
letting their crops and everything lay flat because there's this trust that well if we don't if we don't work we won't get food right. <laughs> and then right. so it was it's just it never did go far enough to where in the jubilee year that and to do it would be incredible so the jubilee year reset oh, wow yeah right so yeah um yeah it is kind of crazy though i would i would say um this like the jubilee year is the answer to what many of us in modern day uh, capitalist society are trying to figure out it's an it's an instant way of making sure you don't have the one percent and then the you know bottom 20 percent. everybody would stay somewhat in the same ball game you'd still have people who were successful and you'd still have right. people who weren't but right. You, and you couldn't be a slave. You couldn't just keep turning your wheels just to survive right. for 50 years. You would. Um, so it's a really, it's an amazing concept. And it's. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, if we had kept this, if the Jews had kept this, I think one of the sentences that jumped out to me was that destructive insects would be kept under control. And, and that's something, you know, our modern science has tried to do for, well, really, since World War II, we've been trying to figure out ways to chemicalize and, and keep those insects under control. But when you don't have any crops for these insects to feed on, it quells that population instead of letting it explode into some expansive population as well. So the food security, the financial security, the emotional well-being, all of that. that it's all we, based. This oh, is where... I'll tell you, this is where it breaks down. This is where most everything breaks down. Yeah. It, it goes back to um, gathering. It goes back to the Exodus, gathering what you need on the on the Friday so that you don't yes. have to gather and you have to trust it. Trust is the key. Trust <laughs> is the key in right. this. Yeah, you know, and right. how many times have we found ourselves in an, an insane situation, a financial situation, emotional, uh, whatever situation, and we keep trying to fix it ourselves. We keep thinking if we just work hard enough or if we just take on another job or if we just whatever, uh, instead of really going, you know, God, I know you're going to take care of me. Obviously, that doesn't mean that we can just kick our heels up and do nothing ever. You know, we still have to play our part. But to be able to trust in God and know that he's going to provide our food, he's going to provide our clothing, he's going to provide shelter. He's going to provide our financial support. And I think this is something we all struggle with. It's something that we all fail in. Uh, yeah, pretty strong. I mean, and that is the, that is the, that's the, that's the bugaboo is, is learning yeah. to trust. So I'll, I'll kind of just push it over to the digging deeper section because it's actually uh, what Logan writes in this digging deeper section is that um, he says in here, uh, da, 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 da. When reading scripture, the two questions that should always be in our minds is number one, what does this mean to the original audience? Which mm -hmm. is kind of what we talked about. But then number two, what does this mean when interpreted in light and life of ministry of Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. And so the reason why that feeds in is the Sabbath concept, whether it's the Sabbath day, the Sabbath year, the, or the Jubilee year, was a um, way to train the Israelites to understand the ministry of the Messiah. And, mm -hmm. and how the and how the Messiah would break the chains of worldly thinking and worldly living and to say, no, there's a whole new way to live. Like you can mm -hmm. rest, 
in God's power on one day. It's not up to you on that seventh year. The whole creation is part of God's, you know, design and, and right. we we enjoy every bit of it. And then in that 50th year, everything's redeemed and, and everything is made right. And, mm -hmm. and we rest and we enjoy all that God's created for us. And it teaches us how to fellowship with one another. Yes. And with God. And so right. I think that that's an important thing that, so when we think about restoration, it's not just restoration in the sense that we all, um, get a lot of stuff, but we all get back in a right relationship with God. And then that flows. And so I do yeah. like that part really well. Uh, everything Absolutely. that we read is focused in the life and, and ministry of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to let you take over because there's another part there in that digging deeper section. One of the things that gets in the way of our Sabbaths is, or gets in the way of our, our trusting in God. Um, and that would be, uh, how we we keep prejudice we we like the thought of jubilee for ourselves but does yeah. it really have to go to everybody else really you so. know that that stinks that was a great sentence i i think that logan pointed out in here um he says you would be amazed at how many times christians get angry simply because the pastor talks about what's in the bible especially the passages that hit home to people's sins their idols and their prejudices um, and how true is that? None of us like to be convicted of our own wrongdoing because, you know, we think <laughs> our mindset is, is the mindset to have. Um, and when somebody comes against us and says, hey, you know, have you thought about this or you considered this? We, you know, we put up that defensive wall right away. Like, what? what? No. You know, uh, there's been conversations I've had about, um, I did a sermon one time about idol worship and it talks about idols being these wooden stone things made by men's hands, you know, that they're a creation of men that people then bow down and, and worship. And, and in the middle of this sermon, I pulled out a Mrs. Potato Head and I put it on the pulpit and I said, there's your idol. <laughs> but that's true. You know, it could be a Mrs. Potato Head. Our idols can be anything that we put in front of God, whether it's sports or recreational activities or going to the lake on the weekend, which we all love to do, or eating out or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that we're doing, we put that in front of God. And that also goes along with our, our prejudices, our mindsets on how we look at other people. Um, you know, we're really dealing in this conversation, in this context with Jews and Greeks, but we have the, the same problem, or Jews and Gentiles, excuse me, but we have the same problem today. Yeah. Um, we may not be calling them Jews and Gentiles, but we have those categories. We just don't call it that anymore. I guess what I should also say, uh, so the reason Isaiah 61 comes up especially when talking about Jesus. This was Jesus's first sermon uh, yeah. in his hometown, or yeah, his first sermon. And so he reads the passage in Isaiah 61 about everybody being set free and it's the year mm -hmm. of Jubilee. And everybody's so excited. They're yeah. like, yay, Jesus. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, yeah, but y'all don't get it. But I'll tell you who does get it. It's the 
it was the foreigners back in the time yeah. of Elijah and Elisha that they were ministered to while uh, the Israelites were suffering in a drought. God mm -hmm. saved them. And then all of a sudden, those like good cheers and attaboy Jesuses uh, turned into, oh, we, we got to kill this guy. <laughs> He's yeah. got to go. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, I, I, I think what you said is, is certainly right on those kinds of things. We have these preconceptions about God and our place before God. Mm -hmm. And then when someone knocks us off our pedestal, Mm -hmm. the, there's two ways to react like even in Jesus day I mean some people said followed Christ repented, yes. and then there were other people who said oh no we'll show you right exactly exactly and there were those says, people that recognized that they had a wrong thinking a prejudice of some kind whether whatever that happened to be about a certain type of people and, and we do the same thing in our thinking today because we think we know Jesus yeah. and we have the only right perspective of Jesus. Yeah. And so anybody else that comes up to us with any other thoughts or uh, thinking about what would Jesus do or how he would react. And it's against our thinking. Yeah. You, you either have people that go, Hmm. I've never considered that before. Let me pray about that. Let me read some more scripture and study. Or you have people that go, you need to back up yeah. because that's not okay. One thing I, I'm sad about, it's like, you know, back in history, people used to like fight about theological things like, you know, the, you know, the nature of salvation, even the order of salvation, these kinds of things. Today we get to fight about, you know, who uses the church? Can you drink in the sanctuary? drink water or coffee right. in the sanctuary. Right. Yeah. And then and then the big one right now is 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 um is a political thing. Like if yeah. if you don't vote this certain way, then obviously you don't you don't you're not a Christian or if you understand yes. this or that and and uh, you know there's platforms and stuff, but like we're all on a journey. And that's what I, the prejudice part is also being played up. Let's not yeah. kid ourselves. I mean like um yeah, the whole world is being framed in an us against them and tribalism and all that yeah. good stuff on the right and the left. And so yeah. um, I think what Jesus comes to say here is that, wait, no, God's love is for everybody. God's spirit can indwell any single person. That's kind of what we talked about yeah. in the last lesson. And, yeah. and some people just, that's not enough. Like they have to be mm -hmm. special and they have to be the loved ones and they don't want to share it. Or I don't, right. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a thing. And, and I almost, I don't know how to say this without sounding completely Pentecostal, but as God can take bad and evil things and turn them into good, I also think there's an opposite force that can take good things and then start changing it into bad. And, and yes. we have to be real careful and prayed up. To yes, absolutely. You know, that's a great point. Um, that is something that one of my congregations and I have been discussing recently um, is that you can do a lot of things for the church, for God's work, and it can also turn into an idol because yes. if you're putting that thing that you're doing, whatever, you know, organization, if that is coming before your worship and your time with God, and if that's more important then even your service can become idolistic. 
And so we do have to be very careful and, and pay attention to what it is that we're prioritizing in our lives because we should be prioritizing our relationship with Christ. Yeah. That is the ultimate. I do have to, that reminds me. So uh, during my time at Margaret Hank Church, there was one particular elder that just, that they didn't want to do anything nice to anybody. <laughs> and uh, a lot of times um, if they gave me some extra money for pastor appreciation or whatever, I would turn around and speak give it to somebody. Um, and one of my elders just got mad at me one day because I would use some of my salary or whatever. That way I could just bypass them. It was just me doing it in the name of the church. Anyway, um, I remember just getting so mad one time. I'm like, look, don't make it hard for me to be good. <laughs> like, don't do it. Like, stop. That's not what church is. Like God's right. blessing goes out to other people. Like this is, yeah. don't, don't make it hard for me to be nice in the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I remember that. That was a that's good, awesome. That was that's funny. awesome. So, but so going along with that, I think we get into that next part of um, learning from the scripture witness of the church and what mm. um, what uh, Logan brought out is that um, you when you when rebuilding starts. It's not only just for the glory of Israel. It's not just for the, mm -hmm. the the glory of that. But ultimately, restoration is a blessing. The restoration of Jerusalem is to be seen as a blessing for the whole world. Yes, and absolutely. And so when it's brought up, we Christian folk, we become partners, even with those outside of the faith or with, to do good. Yes. To make sure everything that's rebuilt mm -hmm. is for the benefit of all folks. Yes. Yeah. To love our neighbors as ourselves. And absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. and so like we don't take all the blessings. We don't mm -hmm. treat the foreigners as as um, you know slaves that right. simply do our bidding and then we benefit. But ultimately, right. we all work together to see God's glory. Um, yes not only in Jerusalem, in the church, but also in the world. And then yeah. I guess the effect of that is, is that when the church is at its best, it is glorified. Yes. But it's, but it's a glory that brings in everybody and it's a non-threatening glory. Uh, yeah. It's not, it's not a, this is our group and we're the ones that get all the glory and everybody else just gets to stand outside and look in yeah. through the looking glass, you know, and, and just see us benefiting from the amazing things that, they've contributed to, but now they can't be a part of. Yeah. It is for the building up together. I mean, how many times in the new Testament are we told that we're part of one body, you know, that we have multiple gifts and that we're supposed to be working together for the unification of that body. It's supposed to be for all of us to build each other up, not just one particular person or one particular group, um, that it is all for God's kingdom that we get to share together. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, go ahead a beautiful picture of of um i think logan says here life in jesus's restored kingdom looks like cooperation and benefit from one another's labor um yeah. you know and that's that's what it's all about is cooperation and all of us encouraging and using the gifts that each one of us have been given uh, for that glorification of that kingdom um, so it's, uh, 
Isaiah 61 verses 5 through 9. I'm going to do this discussion question. Um, so we're talking about when God promises this restoration of Israel, he promises that it'll be, it'll be the foreigners that help do it all. Um, right. And so uh, I'm going to read that uh, verses 5 through 9. It says, Stranger, strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Foreigners shall till your land and dress your vines. But you shall be called priest of the Lord. You shall be named ministers of our God. You shall enjoy the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you shall glory. Because their shame was double, and dishonor was proclaimed as their lot, therefore they shall possess a double portion. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. So that's what we were just talking about. There's, there's oftentimes that God will restore joy and, and use other people and other means to do so. But what Logan asked in this discussion question is, who then would be the strange, strangers and foreigners mentioned in Isaiah 61, 5 through 9? What does it look like for them to feed the flocks and dress vines today? And then how are these things connected to the Lord's love for justice in verse 8? That's a good question. Um, Excellent. And, I, and I'd, have to, I'd have to think about it. But I will say, uh, just off the top of my head, um, the church, because of whatever reasons, no, I don't want to get into the political things at all, we did experience a time to where many churches were forced to not meet. Yes. And one of the things that we're learning to do now is what you and I are doing. And this was yeah. <laughs> Zoom was not created for the church, by the church, to the church. No, right? it was not. It was not. But look at the look at the blessings that we get to reap from that technology, even though it wasn't specifically created for the church. Yeah. Right. Any and, and, and again, there's, you know, any kind of so, social media, there's been some studies that show that more people have been at least connected with their church virtually uh, or attending Absolutely. church services and doing these things. Yeah. You, you know, one of the things actually I mentioned last night in our Bible study for, for our congregation, my congregations was my porch videos. I am continually surprised at the comments that I receive. Um, some of the people that have commented the most um, are not people that are here within my context. They're usually people. And what's interesting is my mother-in-law and my, and my mom went to high school at the same time. And my mother-in-law shares these videos and still lives back in, in Wisconsin where I'm from. Um, and there are people that my mom went to high school with that are commenting on these videos now that are using that devotional time as part of their time to get into God's word or be reintroduced to God's word. One of the gals told me that it was through that video that the Holy Spirit really convicted her that that wouldn't have happened, you know, seven months ago. That wouldn't have happened, but it was through that through that technology. Again, YouTube was not created for the church. <laughs> uh, that that God has utilized to touch somebody's life in an amazing way. Yeah, and then I think to answer the question of how are these things connected to the Lord's love for justice? I wish Logan was here so he could he could help me on on exactly what, because there's probably something deeper he's looking into, but right. not there. Um, but the flip side of that is, is that somebody receives a blessing of being in communion with the Lord. Like, mm -hmm. right. Uh, there are people who, who have worked 
maybe had, that may have been felt hard done by by the church or or, right. or whatnot. But it's that connection then where they can receive communion with God and, and redemption and and so justice. When the church is right, society's better. Like when, absolutely, when the hearts are right, society is just much better. We don't. Yes. Now that and and whether we've done it well throughout the ages, maybe not. But if there's an actual, honest, strong church, the mm-hmm. community, whether they're Christians or non-Christians, will right. benefit well, all from the presence. And yeah. I think that's important. I think absolutely because the church then does stand for justice. I mean, the church does stand when people are being done wrong. The church should certainly step in, raise awareness. Not even yeah. just raise awareness, but do something. If there's a yeah. hunger problem, do something about it. Right. Um, which I think then leads us to the applying the scripture part. Yes, very um, much so. So on that, uh, what Logan does is talk about, you know, when when pe- when the church and is restored, it is made up of people, right? Mm-hmm. That's how that, and, and every person, according to Ephesians and Corinthians, receives gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The restored church goes out using their gifts to restore society, to, to mm-hmm. restore the community. And so the question is, how does your church exercise its members' gifts in the community? How do mm-hmm. people outside the four walls of your church hear the good news? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a, that's a good question. I mean, like a lot of times, um, churches do do good work maybe, um, but it might sometimes be 20% of the church, that does right. work. but how do all of the members, not just in the church, but how do they exercise the, their own gifts in their community? So, yeah. And their in their own personal context. I, I mean, everybody, whether you're retired or whether you're still working, you have a group of people that only you and that congregation have contact with, whether it's through your office, whether it's through a retirement group, whether you go golfing, whether you go fishing, you have your own personal context. So how is it that we share the gospel message? Um, you know, do they see? Or do we? Do we? Well, okay, well, that's a great question because some people maybe don't. Um, maybe some people, you know, I have some people that will tell me, well, I'm not comfortable uh, standing on street corner handing out tracks. Um, okay, well, then if you're not comfortable doing that, don't. That, that, you know, use the gifts that God has given you. Is it volunteering for a local organization? Um, is it working for a local recovery home? Is it, uh, we have a beautiful crisis pregnancy center here um, that we have partnered with. Um, the Salvation Army does amazing work um, and do things because they have an infrastructure that we can't afford to do. So we partner with them by helping promote their programs. Um, we have a beautiful homeless shelter here in Madisonville that takes care of our homeless population that would not get taken care of otherwise. And so how can you pour into that? Um, I have a great group called Hooks and Needles and we make things for different charity organizations. Um, You know, I have a group of crafters that we sit around a couple times a month and enjoy each other's company, but we do all sorts of 
prayer shawls and baby afghans and hats and scarves and, and mittens for the local elementary schools to give away to the kids that their parents can't afford things. Um, we have done food drives for our local elementary schools for the Family Resource Center to help them make sure that those kids that kind of fall in between um, still have something to eat and are taken care of. You know, there's um, another one that we're working on is an environmental concern. I have people that are really concerned with the environment. So we're putting in a one acre pollinator garden. Which is awesome. I mean, you know, which is, which is amazing. But all of those are ways that we can utilize the different gifts of everybody in our church. No. But it's not, you have to find something. Where are you gifted and where can you help? And it's not going to look like your next door neighbor because they have a different gift, but you still got to use yours. You can't right. just sit yeah, and I think what what I, I tried to stress is when I was full time in the in the ministry was it, it, it there's no harm in trying to find out what your gift is. Like no, just because it doesn't all. come, um, you know it. You know, people like to think that if it's a gift from God, then it's just there and they just naturally flow from mm -hmm. it. And that's not no. necessarily the truth. And no. um, the other thing would be is just this related to that is that the church and people in the pew have to be intentional about saying i am going to be a tool in the hand of god yes it's easy to sit on the couch and it's easy just to write an extra 20 dollars because the church needs some food for a food yeah. bank but sometimes maybe god's calling you to um be part of the work of the food bank as well and yeah. um and and i'll give it one one example a cool cool thing that just continually happened at, at the at the Margaret Hank church it just happened all the time. I thought the first time it was just dumb luck or God's providence, but um, we did a lot of community work. And, and one of our things was to really work to push people to get into the community. So whether it's like mm -hmm. reading program from, from the local elementary or anyway, long story short, just over and over and over again, people would find out that our church was doing something mm -hmm. and they would just give us money. They had no connection to the church whatsoever. They just read in the newspaper, like we opened up our gym to, uh, when I first got there, I think Hurricane Katrina, maybe is what it was, but there was mm -hmm. a lot of people who came up uh, from Louisiana, and of course you couldn't have, there was no no places for people, so we opened up right. the church and the gym, and then we did a reading program for the school. Anyway, just just every time we did something, it's just somebody we just didn't know, just sent us money. Wow, <laughs> wow. Know, and I'm talking like over the years, it's like 40 grand. I'm not talking wow. about like 50 bucks in the mail. Just people would give us money. It's crazy. But I always thought at that point that I always thought of passages like these. Like yeah. we were doing something that made the community better. And it was a multiple variety of things. And, yes. and, and I thought there's no way that 80 or 90 people at the Margaret Hank Church at the time could have this much impact. But we were able to because it others outside of the church would give us money and right and, and i have you ever heard that uh question like if your church disappeared would your community notice yes i can yeah. finally say that yeah our our community would absolutely not be as good if our little church wasn't there like and that's not because i was the pastor it's just i, I just saw how much we did and i thought this is what a church is supposed to be yeah um, and absolutely that, um, I, I think that's a great question for each one of us to consider. 
Yeah, and I guess the other part to that is how do people outside the four walls of your church hear the good news? I mean, like you've talked about uh, some of the stuff that y'all have done. And and one of the things that's hard for me, but I've gotten better at it over the years, I like to do good for people Mm -hmm. just in the name of goodness. Mm -hmm. Yes. And sometimes um, I like that quote, you know, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Yes. But it is the words. It's the proclamation of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection that changes the soul too. So absolutely, I guess I got to be careful and mindful that I'm not doing good just because I get some frilly feeling out of it. But I am also doing good for the purpose of people meeting and yeah. knowing Jesus Christ, and somehow mention that. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for being that ambassador that you've been called to be. Yeah. you know, for, for sharing the good news of who Jesus Christ is. Words are important. I mean, I, they yeah. are. And, and that, and I think about it, this is me thinking too much, but I'm like, you know, ah. half the people who tell me, I remember thinking this, this is before the election or anything, but I remember people telling me they didn't want to offend people or whatnot. Be like, I've seen your Facebook post. You don't care about offending <laughs> anybody. Right. <laughs> You don't care about offending somebody. No. <laughs> uh, you, you do it every day. Oh, goodness. So true. So true. And so I think, I wonder why, like, why is it that we draw a line that we can offend people with some of our thoughts, but when it comes to Jesus, we're like, ah, eh, well, but we don't want to step on that toe. Right. You know, that's, that's a great point. That is a great point. Uh, um I get in trouble sometimes, but I think about it. I'm like, yeah, you don't but care about offending people. That is something for us to consider because if you're not if you're not afraid to share a recipe, <laughs> why are you afraid to say, hey, what church do you go to, and would you like to join me next Sunday? Yeah. Why? Why it's is that tough? It's tough. It's yeah. a tough world in a tough environment. But it I think, like I said, I, it's been. Yeah. It's been hard on me because I'm an introvert. It is a legitimate concern, but you know, something that we really need to think about. If you're willing to share every other part of your life and you're willing to offend people in every other manner of your life, <laughs> See, throw another one on the fire. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Well, um, our time is coming to a close. Um, I want to say thank you for being here. And thank Becky you. will be on here a lot more uh, because. Um, she's good at social media and she's much better than I am in a lot of ways. So um, oh, no. I rely on her no, for a lot of you. things. <laughs> um, I will say, um, pray for Logan. He's sick. Um, so that's a, a prayer that you can uh, absolutely pray. And then I wanted to remind people, if you go to www.cpcmc.org forward slash encounter, We've got a place where you can sign up for some weekly resources. Again, I know that when we switched to the narrative lectionary, there were some folks that uh, lost that uh, uniform lesson series commentaries. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing the best I can to help uh, these weekly Bible studies. And then also each week, there's just a large list of, of different places that you can go to on the internet to uh, get some more resources so that you can feel a little more comfortable. Um, teaching the lesson. And then if you just want to, you know, carry on by yourself and you're just wanting to dig deeper in some of the things we talked about, um, when this comes out, I'll send out the email and it has, um, a couple sections or a couple links about the Jubilee year. 
So you can get a little bit deeper into that. And then, like I said, I have the uh, link to the porch talks from. And so um, they're uplifting and good. So make sure you take advantage of that. And uh, any parting and subscribe. thoughts? Subscribe to that channel. Subscribe, like, and subscribe. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, also remember the uh, Encounter Study Facebook page. I'm really trying to get that to where people will um, see that as a community that they can learn from one another, mm -hmm. ask for prayer requests for one another, Amen. shoot ideas off one another, mission work that you're doing in your church. So I think by the time, Becky, I do think this, I think by the time I get done in the next like three months, I'm going to be blocked because I, if you've noticed, like everything's encounter. Right, well, that's okay. It's going to keep. I kind of like the encounter, yeah. honestly. Right. So, but people will get tired of me. I think I actually right. didn't post something today because I was like, man, I've posted like 75 things, but tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow's a new day. Can't tomorrow post. is a new day. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Becky. And uh, we will see you again next week. Awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye.